Welcome to Sober Doc Coffee, a weekly coffee chat sharing experience, strength, and hope for anyone on the sober road to recovery. You can download Sober Doc Coffee weekly on all podcast platforms and check us out on Instagram at Sober Coffee Podcast and on Twitter at Sober Coffee Pod. To learn more about us and to help support these sessions, visit online at Sober Coffee. Here are your hosts, two guys on their own path to recovery, Mike and Glenn. Let's join them at the coffee shop. Audio High, Chicago Land. Uh, we are in the new studio, mm-hmm. and uh, there's been some construction and painting. I can smell some fresh paint. And uh, we're, I think, expanding from audio to maybe doing some video. I think Ooh. we've been talking about that for a while, and I see a lot of video cameras around. You know, I got a, made, I got a face made for audio. <laughs> I don't know That's if this awesome. is going to... How you doing, brother? We Good. haven't been in here a while, and it's great, great to see. I got my sobriety is my superpower T-shirt on. You're just a walking billboard for, the, for a better way to live. I, I am cautious where, where I wear this, though. Yeah, right, I I, right. I don't wear this at church. <laughs> well, you could. Yeah, no, the church I come, come to. Come man, as you are. Absolutely right. I love it yeah. because I need it. Yeah. You know? So what's going on today, man? Well, you know, I, I invited uh, uh, a friend of mine, Tommy. Table for three? Yeah, table for oh, three. Invited invited my friend, uh, Tommy. So I thought, you know, we usually start out by doing some housekeeping, but... And I think it's funny in the intro, it says, to learn more about us, go to Sober.Coffee. Okay, look, they found out about us, right? So they're already listening to us. So yeah, but there's details. That, there's some deets. Uh, okay, there there's is. There's some deets on Sober.Coffee. And it's not Sober.Coffee.com like a lot of people think. Like, yeah. You can't find it. Sober.Coffee.net? No. No, just Sober.Coffee. Sober. Exactly right, Mike. Because we're that cool. But there's a lot of stuff on there. Uh, during episodes, we reference books. Websites, people, yep. and it's a great resource room, and you take care of that, man. What yeah, a for, yeah. For the are. most part, what we mention, we try and get a link on the, in yeah, the resource great. room. So, it's, so there's a lot on there. Yeah, and you're gonna find you're gonna find a resource. Um, this is this is my segue. I'm really good at segways. I read a book, <laughs> Segway for Dummies. Wait, segway is what you drive around the city, right? You yeah, no, 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 no. This is this is a grammatical term. Oh, okay. Segway, segways for dummies. So. So, you know, here's something you're going to find in our resource room. And you're going to look at it first. You're going to go, what? And it's called Done With Stuck. What? Done With Stuck. I'm just done with stuck. I, I think if somebody was more creative, it would be, I'm just freaking done with stuff. Like like being stuck? Stuck, yes. Stuck is something. Like B- stuck done with rut. stuck, yes. Done with stuck. So I love that word. It reminds me. I was in a 54-day um, day hospital program at at Rush in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there was a guy in there, and it was like for high-functioning. I, I was in there because I was stuck in booze. Mm-hmm. But there were people in there that didn't have a booze problem, but right. they were stuck. Sure. And there was a guy who was doing his uh, Ph.D. thesis. I think that's what it's called. And, uh, and he was stuck. He couldn't write the next word. Wow. And he spent months trying to write a word. Wow. And it, he was done with stuck, but... I'm looking forward to digging in here. Did he, did he, so get, I, I did he get unstuck? He did. Okay. He did. Now he's a doctor, and it's amazing. So at times, we do get stuck. Yeah. So, so I'm looking forward to hearing about done with stuff. Yeah. Tommy, welcome, man. Tommy, welcome. Hey, guys. It's so good to be here with you. And I can't tell you how much I feel that not being able to write one more word thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful picture of stuck oh, I, I, you know it's so painful just to like look at him and, and work with him and talk to him I, I i didn't work with him i was alongside of him working on my stuff come on you wrote the thesis mm-hmm. i did yeah no, right no i did yeah. trust me i did we not. know we know we you know you it. did we yeah. know 
Uh, so yeah, so Tommy, Welcome, Tommy. I, uh, uh, you know, stumbled upon Tom, done with stuck, um, and uh, have taken uh, participated in one of the classes, and um, but today we we wanted to kind of talk uh, about self control, and that is as much notes as mm -hmm. I have on my little index card in front of me. Self control. Self control. That's dude, I'm leaving now. Yeah, Glenn's out of here. <laughs> dude, I, I, are we really talking about self control? We are. Oh. We are. So as soon as you say that, I think of the word discipline. <laughs> oh. And as soon as you say that, I think about yeah. instant gratification, which is my favorite. Yeah, right. And so I think of mm. discipline equals delayed gratification, kind of gratification, blah, blah, blah. So, uh-oh. Enlighten us, I'm, Tommy. Yeah. That's the worst, isn't it? Help me out. I yeah, well, I think self-control gets a really bad rep because we talk about it all the time, and we usually talk about it as this willpower like I am a superhero because I can not do anything that I actually like, right? And it's just we're always putting ourselves as I, you know, trying to be the one that that says no to all the good things in the world and all the fun things and all the kill. Uh, you know, you just have to become a, a professional killjoy to have self control, and it just feels terrible, mm -hmm. and it's not enjoyable at all. And I don't think that hating something like that hating self-control is a good way to master self-control mm -hmm. <laughs> so it so just good, doesn't make sense uh, to me that we would good place for me to start to right ourselves. yeah right yeah <laughs> it's awesome well, but that's that's not your fault i think i think that is the the weird thing that we've received from a lot of places right but also at the same time it's clear that we need self-control right because as people in recovery we need we need it Right. That's the mm -hmm. whole problem is that we couldn't control this urge to do something that is destructive to ourselves. And so and it comes in all forms, whether it's not being able to write a thesis or whether it's people pleasing and codependency, like I'm recovering from consistently all the time or sometimes not recovering very well from or whether it's a substance. Right. It's just it's always something and we actually do need it. But. It sucks to just be a killjoy about it because these things feel good. And so we got to start thinking about it differently. And that was what I started trying to get into when we started Done With Stuck. It was really around this idea that, first of all, everybody's in recovery. I always said that. I was pastor for eight years, and we would always say that. Well, we're all in recovery from something. And then I never really knew what that meant because I still thought, well, but you know, substance addiction, that's different. And then when I hit this season of massive burnout and just ran my life into this ditch, it wasn't a substance problem. It wasn't an alcohol problem, but I had to recover. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had to recover from something mm -hmm. and I had to figure out what in the world that was. And so I, I went to a week of counseling and it just was this whole thing. And I started realizing that there was plenty for me to recover from. And then as I started getting into it, I started to figure out what was going on inside of my brain. I realized that I was recovering from a bunch of addictions, a bunch of things I couldn't control. And that was the problem. And so I really needed self-control. I really needed to be able to bring whatever is inside of me under my control and I had to look at it in a whole new way and I realized the big thing for me was that it wasn't that I had a lack of willpower because I had all the desire in the world mm -hmm. and I think that there were seasons where I had willpower but it always went away it felt like a muscle that got really tired really fast and I realized 
after leaving that week of counseling, especially that if I could start thinking about self-control as a life on a full tank, then I didn't have to worry so much because all of my self-control issues were because I was trying to get something that I didn't have. I felt like I was missing something. And so I would go get it in the most destructive way possible, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted joy. And so I, I zoned out on something that felt a little bit happy or I wanted um, approval from people, which I need, right? Everybody needs that. I need to be loved and cared for, but I would get it in a way that left me hanging later because it wasn't worth it. And so I thought if I can think of self-control as just being full enough on the right things, then I won't need the destructive things later. And that was sort of my mindset shift. And that was, that was helpful because I wasn't trying to say no to things I liked. I was trying to say yes to things that I actually needed. And that felt so different. Does that, does that feel like something better? Does that make you hate self-control less, Glenn? Do, have I, have no, I done no, something just, there? <laughs> and, well, for me, Tommy, I mean, I'm, I'm wired, right? I mean, I'm, I've got my DNA and, and I'm wired one way and I always want more. And, and, you know, I always want the easy path. You know, I always want the, the mm. pill, mm. right? You know, I love taking a pill and, and making things go away. And, you know, in, in yeah. recovering from alcohol, uh, there is not a pill. Uh, it is a long, for me, it's been a very long process. It's not the, right. you know, lightning bolt. It's not, you know, the flash of, you know, getting on my knees in, in rehab and all of a sudden being healed and going along and living a great life. Um, when, when I just heard yeah. you describing that, you know, remind me of a hole in the soul. You know, I, I had something inside of me yeah. that was empty. And I yep. tried to fill that with many things, you know, and you, you mentioned approval. That's one of the things, I mean, I, I work really hard. I perform really great because I want to fill that hole with somebody saying, hey, nice job, you know, or recognize, hey, right. you know, Glenn's the man. Let's count on Glenn, mm -hmm. you know. You know, and for me, mm -hmm. for me, Tommy, I, uh, you know, I, I'm listening to you and, 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 and I'm r really like a sponge because pre, you know, f first to get to the point I'm at now, I had to first stop drinking, right? I had to stop doing the destructive behavior, and that's the first first requirement mm -hmm. for me and the first step for me. Well, then what I found out was, guess mm -hmm. what? I was stuck with myself, right? So, so here I am. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm not drinking. <laughs> you know, I'm not peeing myself anymore. But, but I'm I'm stuck with me. And now all of a sudden, these things that you yeah. talk about are are so relevant to me because now I'm beginning to dig down and say, yeah, do I have you know, do I have issues that have made me stuck you know at least now i can see them clear so i love the life on a full tank thing mm -hmm. expound on that a little bit yeah well you know the funny thing is and and this is some of the the challenge with you know sobriety and recovery right if you think about it in in, in technical terms i know sometimes we use them we use them interchangeably and that's great and it doesn't matter but if you think about sobriety and recovery and being different, sober is I'm not doing the thing I'm not supposed to do. And recovery is I'm a whole human again. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm becoming the person I'm supposed to be and I can be and, and all of that. You know, if, if we place them as different things like that, sure. then, then sobriety or at least just self-control in the negative sense that we were talking about before, that willpower idea is like, okay, well, I saw the cookie the other day. And I wanted the cookie, but I chose not to eat the cookie because of sheer force of will. And I'm amazing, right? And and 
I'm not saying that's not real, but it's not reliable because if if the real pathway to recovery was to have more self-control, then I would have to control myself more because controlling myself more, though, would take more self-control. And it just would be this never-ending, like, well, where is it coming from? The cycle. Right? I can't just drum it up out of nowhere, you know? And I can't just go to the gym and practice my self-control unless I dangle cookies in front of my face and say no all the time. And I'd probably just get really angry at mm -hmm. whoever was helping me with that. So mm -hmm. uh, we have to do this tank thing instead. And the reality is willpower actually they have realized um they've done some studies on this it's amazing it actually does function a little bit like a tank right and it's not just a muscle that gets tired it's like i have energy levels and they just go away because we actually do have very chemi different chemical levels of, of things that we need and they do different things for us whether it's motivation or joy or calm and contentment all of these things are, are somewhere in us chemically and so that's this tank that we have and there are nozzles on the tank and that's a really good thing right i play with my kids i something comes out of the tank and that's worth it i give mm -hmm. mental and physical energy at work i care for a friend that really needs me i pay attention to my spouse or my my other friend or you know i i, I mow my grass like anything takes energy out of me and the tank is what I have to give. It's a lot of things. I mean, it's some willpower, but it's joy and energy and motivation and passion and interest and love and all of those things, right? But we all know we have this tank. And we know we have the tank because we know when it's empty. And when we're empty, we have no choice in the matter, right? If I don't have what I need, if I'm starving for either sugar or food, <laughs> I want the cookie and I'm going to eat the cookie, man. I'm going to eat 10 because life is relentless and all these nozzles have all poured out all of my energy and motivation and attention and joy. All of it's gone and that nozzle's wide open because I never turn it off maybe, right? And I just give and give and give or run and run and run because I think I'm a super a superhero mm -hmm. and then nothing's left inside. And then what happens? I perform poorly. I'm relationally absent my attention's gone and eventually i just snap and i do the thing that i didn't want to do that i said i would never do because i had no other choice i had to get the things that i needed back because i can't run on fumes i wasn't built that way mm -hmm. and it never ever works but then those desperate attempts it's like you know spitting into this tank trying to fill it up mm -hmm. And it's never going to work because usually the most attractive things to fill my tank, the most attract the pills that take it, make it go away. Um, those never actually fill the tank. They're okay. the least helpful things. Right. They're most, the most destructive, destructive things. Yeah. Right. Right. So yeah. how do you, so how do you fill the tank, Tommy? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is knowing what we actually do need. Um, because if we start acting like, self-control is about better preparation for these moments where we need it instead of just better performance in the moment then we'll actually get the things in advance and we can choose the right things to fill the tank and i think the two biggest things in the world um for every single human are joy and attachment and i say that because the scientists said it i didn't make it up um and and this is amazing actually because joy and attachment they're two neurological things you know we think of joy as just an emotion right but joy is actually one of the first emotions that we learn to experience as a baby okay 
So joy is like the second thing on top of, am I gonna stay alive or not? That's the first thing in a baby's brain, right? It's the most important thing. If I can't stay alive, well then what am I doing, right? So that's all your survival instincts. But this next thing is a baby can tell if you, if if whoever is caring for it is filled with joy or get this, disgust. There are two options. There's no nuance. There's no middle ground. It's just you're either joyful when you're around me or you're disgusted with me. Joy and disgust are the two most powerful forces in the human heart. They Actually, definitely the seem brain. like opposite ends of the spectrum. Okay. I've seen, yeah, I, right. I, and it's not joy and hate. It's no, either, man, it's, it's, joy, it's joy and disgust. Yeah, it's you are, ugh, you're not worth it to me. Or you're worth everything word, yeah. to me and I, and I love you and I care about you. And so that's like literally just smiles and warm voices and physical touch. All of those things as a baby are really important. And the thing is... We're just more developed babies, right? We're not different. We haven't grown out of our need for joyful faces, people that know us and care about us and look at us and smile when we get into a room because they're happy we're here. We actually desperately need that. I mean, the worst thing that I think, I know the worst thing that I could imagine, and I think the worst thing that all of us could imagine is to be utterly alone or helpless or, or hopeless. Like, I, I don't... If nobody knows me, then what am I doing? That is hopelessness. And so that joy, somebody seeing me and being glad to see me, and then also this idea of attachment, which is the strongest force in the human brain. It is the thing that binds people together. You hear a lot about early attachment styles maybe, and if you've ever heard about it with, you know, you have these four different attachment styles and... um it all makes sense when you talk about actually having a caregiver and a parent and you can grow up with avoidant attachment or anxious attachment or secure attachment, all of that. But the point behind it is, do you have somebody that will care for you when things are hard? Do you have somebody that is bonded to you that you know the good parts about them and the bad parts about them and they know the same about you? And are they going to... Um, love you when things are bad and if you don't have that then you're going to go search for it or search for a way to numb the pain of not having it and that's just what happens every time when we don't have joy and attachment and the other things we need purpose and meaning and all of those things are important too like if you think about the big ticket items for a, a healthy and whole life if you don't have those things, you will either go search for them in the most destructive way possible, the quickest way mm -hmm. and the destructive way, or you will look for something that will numb the pain of not having them. So how does one, how does one acquire joy and attachment if, they, if I feel I don't have that, right? You're telling me that's going to fill my tank, this joy and attachment. So how, does, how, do, how do I develop mm -hmm. an exercise that allows joy and attachment to be in my innermost being. Yeah, well, that was one of the things we created was, um, and this is just a baseline tool. It's a very, very much a beginning tool. It's not, it's not going to fix everything because it's still just a personal journey, but it's a way to sort of organize that journey um, and walk through some of these tools and some of the other things you need. We called it recovery rhythms because the idea was that <clears throat> 
we lose something all the time, right? Like life is relentless and it's taken stuff out of our tank and we need to recover what we lose. And that's on us, right? That's my job to recover what I lose. It's not, um, it's not on the world to stop demanding something of me. It's on me to recover what I lose on a regular basis. And so this recovery rhythm sort of worksheet was the way uh, to plan these high impact activities, right? I, I only have so much time in the day and I can't just sit around and grow in my joy and meditate all day, right, or whatever right. it would look like. Like we need to do high impact, effective activities that give us the right things, right? Because if I go take a bath and watch Netflix, that's maybe counts as self-care in somebody's book and that's fine. But is that going to give me joy and attachment and loving relationship? I don't think so. And so, uh, and that's okay. That's probably a helpful one too. But if I had to choose that or an important conversation with somebody that knows me more than anybody else, I have to pick that one because I have to prioritize these activities. And so the recovery rhythms worksheet is sort of this way to prioritize these activities and share them with somebody so that they're looking out for your best play. And you can look out for their best play and say, hey, you haven't done this in a while and no, it matters to you. Why don't you go try that? You know, I'll, I'll watch the kids. Maybe it's a spouse or uh, a, a really close friend. Like, hey, I'll watch your kids. You go, you go do that thing you need to do because I need you to be full or else you're not going to be the dad you want to be. You're not going to be the, the wife you want to be. You're not going to be the worker you want to be. You're not going to be the friend you want to be. And so it's planning these high-impact activities and specifically ones that, that move you toward joy and attachment, loving relationships, vulnerable relationships with people where you can be honest and where they know that you're there. They know that you, they, they care about you and you know that, um, and they're, they're growing in intimacy and closeness and, and all of that. Like that is the thing it's connection with other people that keeps our tank full as long as, as, as long as it's the right kind of friendships. Love that. Yeah. So, just pulling out a couple of words here. One is is willpower. <clears throat> you know, in many areas of my life, I have a lot of willpower. Um, when it comes to alcohol, my willpower was useless. Um, and also when it comes mm-hmm. to eating, you know, I'm really focused on eating right now. And frankly, I'm mm-hmm. using some of the same tools I yeah. used to stop drinking because I used to feel, you know, I, I used to drink to escape life, right? And because yeah. I didn't like how I felt. Right. So I would drink to just escape. And then I would also eat to change the way I feel. And, you know, I obviously mm-hmm. felt different ways because I ate a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and the word joy, I'm not sure if I can define that for myself. You know, I'm not sure if I can say, OK, this is what I'm feeling right now. This is called joy. I'm not sure if I'm there yet. Um, but I know what disgusted feels like because mm-hmm. I've been disgusted with myself many times. But I like what you say about attachment. I'm not sure, it reminds uh, me of the, yeah. the rat park experiment, right? Where, you know, you put rats by themselves mm. and they go for the cocaine experiment, right? But if you put them in the rat park community with little rat yep. benches yep. and things to do together with other rats, mm-hmm. they don't touch the cocaine. They get involved with the other rats and they love that life, right? Yeah. And, and clearly in, in my sober path, you know, I'm attached to other people that are on the sober path and that are focused on doing the right steps and doing the right things. Mm-hmm. And it, it just seems like what you were talking about, getting with somebody, 
you know, I have a couple of those people in my life. Mikey's one of them, mm-hmm. you know, because what we like to say is we can't read the labels on our own jar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a sponsor. I have a wife, right, who helps yeah. me say, hey, Glenn, you're kind of out of bounds, right? Let's start focusing in. And no, so I'm really relating to a lot of this. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. And, and I love life on a full tank. Yeah, yeah. I love life yeah. on a full tank. And, and with the, the vision that came to me was, you, you know, we're, at, we're in motion every day anyway, right? Just by our very nature, we don't just lay in bed all day, right? We have to mm-hmm. get up and go to the bathroom at the very least, right? So we're exerting right. energy one way uh, or another. You should get up and go. Yeah, to the you bathroom. should. Yeah, right. No, that's why they make depends. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I can go. I can <laughs> go eight down, hours without way. getting up. Totally. Um, <laughs> right. But but what I love what it, what you mm-hmm. said is I'm in motion anyway. But so go be in motion proactively. Mm-hmm. That's what's filling the tank. It's not the action, mm-hmm. but the action. The the reaction to the action is that I'm getting my tank full. That's what I heard you say. Right. Right. I, I absolutely I, love yeah, it. That's absolutely true. And and you have to be putting yourself in that position to to receive a gift from others, right? Because mm. the thing about joy and attachment specifically is that you can't will them. Like there's, there's no willpower there either. You can't will them into existence. You mm. can't choose to have joy if nobody's glad that you're around. It's not possible. Like joy is a relational emotion at its core. And we can recall joy, and that's why, I, I mean, even, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously a pastor, so I'm, I'm coming from this angle, but um, even you look at all throughout the 12 steps, you've got this idea that it has to start with this higher power that is going to not let me down like people have. Mm-hmm. And that's a really interesting idea because the point behind that is that somebody outside of me has to save me, and that is not just uh, like hard left to you know trust jesus that's like duh i need people to save me too Mm -hmm. i can't make it without these relationships that hold me up and they can't make it without me holding them up and that's a better way to live that is a better clearer path that everybody can get on board with because it's it's just true like i'm i'm powerless in my addiction well, how do I get out of that? Well, somebody has to help drag me out of it. And right. that's the idea of joy and attachment is somebody else needs to say, you matter. I don't decide I matter. I remember that other people actually believe that I matter and then believe that myself as well. But I have to see it played out in relationship or I'm never going to believe it's true. Tommy, I love that. I, I loved having so coffee with you this morning. Yeah. Those people. It's good yeah, stuff. So real quick, did, did I read correctly that you're a relapse prevention coach? Yeah, so I was trained um, in this phenomenal program. It's called the Genesis Process, but uh-huh. uh, it's it's an incredible I've never heard um, of relapse. Yeah, it's, it's in a bunch of residential treatment programs, mm-hmm. and um, – I did it to help prepare for the stuff I'm doing now, but just uh, Michael Dye is the creator of it, and he is a mentor and friend of mine, and it's it's incredible. That's great. Um, it's really aiming, yeah, it's aiming at the actual you know heart issue behind why we need things that that hurt us and why we want things that hurt us, and so it's trying to 
uh, it's, it's not tips and tricks for getting sober. It's somebody who is sober and working the path and mm-hmm. they're about three, four months in, and then they go through this, it's four month program. And it's, um, it's, it's really incredible stuff. Wow, that sounds um, great. So that along with some other things, um, yeah, yeah. Has been, has been our journey so far. All right. So the website is done with stuck. Done Love with stuck.com, right? Love yeah. It. So what you could do too, you go to donewithstuck.com slash sober coffee. And we'll, I'm sure you guys will just throw the link on, on the page and right. in yep. the notes. Um, but that recovery rhythms worksheet and guide will be right there for you. And you print it out. And best thing to do, honestly, really is to, to figure it out. It'll walk you through how to fill out those high impact activities, choose the right things, um, frequency, what threatens that thing in your life and what the benefits of it are, all that stuff. But then the best thing to do and why you should print it out and put it on paper is you could share it with somebody. Yeah, That's the right. best possible thing because you can't be the only one that cares about your recovery. That's and awesome. That's you give awesome. it to a sponsor, you give it to a friend, you give it to a spouse, and it all starts to change. Yeah, I just pulled it up. It looks great. So really good stuff. You come back and talk to us again, I hope. I would love to. All right. That's awesome. awesome. And you know what my takeaway for today is? Though it's very impressive that you did this, uh, you know, this additional studies to help people in recovery. But I found out that Glenn wrote a thesis today. So I walk away from this coffee going, I know a thesis writer. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, love you. That's awesome. Tommy, thanks so much. Thanks for joining us, Tommy. All right, Tommy. We'll see you again. Thanks for joining us for today's coffee chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at sober.coffee. If you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800-839-1686. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their own journey on the path to recovery. Any suggestions, medical or otherwise, are their own experiences and should not be viewed as professional advice. See you next week, and remember, there is a solution.